0: Wherever you get your podcasts. Hey,
1: readers. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 200. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader What Should I Read Next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Or today, we will talk about what happened after I did that literary matchmaking. Readers, each week for the past two and a half plus years, I've talked to a reader, or sometimes two, and suggested three, and sometimes more because I cannot help myself, books that they should read next. This is our 200th episode, which means I've recommended well over 600 books. Today's milestone is the perfect opportunity to take a moment and look back. So my producer, Brenna, and I spent time catching up with past guests to see which recommendations landed, which flopped, and how they're thinking differently about their reading lives post What Should I Read Next? It turns out the titles I picked weren't always winners, but something had changed by the time our conversation was over. Some guests approached their bookshelves with fresh eyes. Some overcame their genre fears and some realized that stepping out of their comfort zone just wasn't what they were interested in and finally felt at peace with the decision. Before we get started, I want you to know to keep an eye out on social media this week. We have all sorts of fun things planned to celebrate number 200 like live streams and Q&As over on Instagram where we are at What should I read next? One way you can participate is with this fun challenge we're doing inviting you to find and share your what should I read next book twin. Readers, every reader's taste is different and with 200 episodes to choose from, it is highly likely someone whose taste matches your own or at least gets awfully close has been here on the show. Have you found them yet? We want to know. Let me know on Twitter or Instagram by sharing the episode or a favorite clip with the hashtag booktwin. And if you haven't found your book twin yet, consider sampling through our archives. All 200 episodes are totally individual totally evergreen and can be listened to in any order. And now here's Brenna and 10 of our bookish and readerly friends. Let's get to it. Brenna, welcome to the show. Hello. Always good to be here. We have a big day today. We do. So many years in the making. 200 episodes. We started, I believe on January 12th, 2016. And now in August, 2019, 200 episodes in, here we are. We've had just a few episodes that didn't run on Tuesdays, and we've skipped about, what, like three Tuesdays in four years? Yes,
2: and we made up for every single week that we took off with Kid Week, which was a couple falls ago. One episode every single day for a week. We'll never do that again, but I think (laughs) it more than evened us out.
1: I think you're right. Kid Week was pretty great where we talked to Gretchen Rubin and the Babysitter's
2: Club Club and Jenny Williams and Sarah McKenzie. It was a really good time. Now is actually, if you haven't heard that or you haven't heard it in a while, now's a really good time to re-listen. I feel like it's a great beginning of the school year set of episodes to listen to.
1: It really is. And that's whether you have children in your life or if you've ever been a child.
2: Yeah, we have a whole episode from that week that was Gretchen Rubin talking about reading children's books as an adult because you just enjoy them. So we have covered a lot of ground in 200 episodes. It's actually kind of staggering when I think back in the last three years, how many topics we've covered, how many different kinds of people we've gotten to meet. And of course, you don't hear me meeting them on the show, but behind the scenes, it's been really fun making connections with all these readers all across the world, actually, And I wanted to ask you, what changes you've seen in your own life since the show went on the air? And how are you looking at the show differently now, 200 episodes in? That's a big question, Brenna.
1: In some ways, I feel the same about the show as I did from the beginning. And that is, I just thought it would be really interesting to dig into the specifics of people's reading lives. And one of my core beliefs in everything I do, when you talk about reading and books, that's a shortcut to talk about the things that really matter in life. So I thought that by talking to listeners about the books they read, those they enjoy and those they don't, we could get a glimpse into who they are as a person that goes beyond what kind of books. They like to read. And that continues to be true. I don't think I understood the extent of it though. I will Mm -hmm. say that talking to readers every week for the past three and a half plus years, I've really gained such an appreciation for how much common ground we have as readers, but also all the different ways you can be a reader in the world. And I've really enjoyed both aspects of that, both what we share in common. And what we don't, I think both sides of that are really fun,
2: yeah, that's really been illustrated over the last few years. Like we have guests from like Liberty Hardy, who reads five hundred plus books a year to a reader, like very recently, Anna Deep, who reads maybe like ten or twelve, I think he said what we're doing today is having a couple conversations with past guests about, sure, what books they did or didn't read from your recommendations, but also things that changed in their lives after the show. And one of the through lines in these conversations that I noticed was after the show, after all the comments, after going to their bookstore and talking to people about your picks, they found community in a more profound way. I think that's just really beautiful. I'm very emotional about this episode, I must say.
1: (laughs) That's because when you talk about books and reading, you talk about what really matters in life, Brenna. Yes. I'm really surprised might be overstating it, but I didn't expect that to be such a consistent theme with our past
2: guests. Mm -hmm. But of course, I'm thrilled to hear that. We had eight conversations and they all varied from 15 minutes to 45 minutes because my schedule's not quite as tight as yours. So I may have (laughs) pushed it on a few of these doing the math, you know, even just eight, 15 minute conversations would totally blow past our regular show length. So we're sharing snippets and those listeners who are part of our Patreon community, you're going to get to hear the full length version of these conversations. So if you're always up for more book talk, you know what to do. Yes. There's several hours more. What should I read next? Audio on Patreon waiting for you. If the past 200 episodes has not been enough. Okay. I think let's just jump into our past guests. The first conversation was one you had with Adam Werner from episode 31 in July, 2016, the first year that the show was on the air.
1: Something that I really enjoyed talking to you about in episode 31 was your career as an audiobook narrator. When we spoke last time, you were getting ready to perform your first Danielle Steele novel.
3: That was one of the few occasions where they, uh, the publisher will flew me into their studios in Michigan to record. Um, and we actually had to record the whole thing twice because they wanted to do the regular version, but also an abridged version. I, I didn't know this about abridgments. They don't do it much anymore. It wasn't just cutting out chapters and you know making it shorter. They were literally taking out words from sentences, just sentences here and there. There was no way to just edit the audio into a shorter version. We had to just record the whole thing twice, so it was a whole week of recording. Uh, the book was called The Award, set in um, World War II France, so that was a lot of fun.
1: I would never have guessed that is how they do it. Yeah,
3: yeah it was surprising, and it was also surprising to see that even minor plot points were changed, I guess, to accommodate the shorter timeline then within the world of the book. Yeah, it's it was very strange. It was almost like two different books with a, the same general overarching plot. I guess they used to do it a lot more back in the day when they were trying to fit stuff onto cassette tapes. But now with digital files, it, they don't care. They'll just do the whole book no matter how long it is. So it might have been Ms. Steele's request herself. I'm not sure that there'd be two different versions.
1: I had no idea. Now, do you remember the books we talked about when you came on What Should I Read Next?
3: I'm pretty sure there was one title I couldn't quite remember. You had recommended The End of the Affair, Graham Greene, The Perfect Storm, Sebastian Younger. And then the third one is the one that I didn't read, which is why I can't remember the title.
1: I still think you'd really like it. It's Susan Watch's Starbridge series. And the first book is Glittering Images.
3: To be honest, it is still on my Goodreads to read list. And I still intend to look at it. But of the three recommended, that was the one I was like, oh, this is really strange.
1: So we can't say that it bombed yet, though it still really could in the future.
3: It could. I will shoot you an email when I I get around to it and let you know if uh, you're responsible for a big bomb in my reading career
1: or not. I would love to hear all about it. (laughs) So what did you think of the other two you read?
3: Both good reads. Graham Greene was interesting because he'd always been on my radar. The end of the affair was tough because there were moments and sections of writing that I thought were brilliant. And I just was amazed at, I was like, wow, this is a really good writing. But as a whole, I think the plot just didn't interest me as much. So the book as a whole just didn't grip me. You know, I don't know if I would have stuck with it. And it didn't lead me to want to go pick up a bunch of other Grand Green. even though I technically I recognized it as like, wow, this guy's a great writer. The Perfect Storm. That's probably the one I like the best. I just bought another one of his books called Fire, a group of essays about fire. So more of his books are going to be on my to read list soon because his kind of nature writing and his journalism I really appreciate it.
1: Well, I'm glad that you were inspired to pick up more Sebastian Younger books. Yeah. And that's interesting about the Graham Greene. I remember I told you that I listened to Colin Firth, Read Me the Audio Version. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And you had opinions about that. <laughs> Celebrity narrators. Eh, it's, <laughs> it's complicated. Yes, that so was it exactly. <laughs>
3: it's complicated. I mean, it, I guess if it comes down to it, if you had to pin me down, I would say whatever brings more people to audiobooks is a win. But on the other hand, you know, I think of myself like as a working class narrator, you know, I'm not a TV film celebrity. A lot of the best top shelf books, these publishers are like, how can we sell even more books? Let's hire a celebrity. A lot of that kind of gets, quote unquote, taken away from us to some extent. Mm -hmm. There's also enough work to go around for everyone. So it doesn't matter too much in the long
1: run. Adam, when your episode aired, how did your friends and family respond?
3: They liked it. Um, it's funny because there's been a lot of crossover, I think, because my wife Leslie is a writer and as so many of her friends listen to your show that in the last three years, I've heard more kind of chatter through her because her friends would be like, I just heard this guy on a podcast and his last name is Werner. You know, is that your husband or like? My particular crowd of people, actor-type people, aren't as much of your audience, so I didn't hear much from them. But it's like all through my, like every other week, I felt like Leslie was like, so-and-so heard you on the podcast. So-and-so has these other questions for you.
1: <laughs> it was so fun to talk to Adam again, and our Patreon crowd will hear the whole story. But after we recorded our episode the first time, and we started talking about geography. We put together that my husband, Will, and his wife, Leslie were resident advisors together in college like a million years ago. And then last summer, we bumped into them at a peach stand in Clinton, Alabama, a story that if you listened to the original floater teaser episode of One Great Book, you already heard. I mean, reading brings people together.
2: Ultimate, what should I read next? Small world a moment. And we've heard about a lot of what should I read next small world moments Mm -hmm. over the years. I love hearing about the abridged audiobooks. That's so interesting to me. And whenever I hear of Daniel Steele, I have two distinct memories. One is my grandma because she had like a wall of romance novels across from a wall of Star Trek novels. Also, I remember my very first job, which was at a warehouse bookstore. And we constantly had Daniel Steele coming in probably more than any other author. She is prolific. She's written so many
1: books. Also, I think I read something just this past year about how she has a lot of kids too.
2: So there was a profile on her and I don't remember where it was, but it was one of the best articles I've read this year. It was about Daniel Steele, her house and her work. From that profile, it would not surprise me if it actually was her specific request that it be two separate audiobooks. It was a really good write-up. I'll try to find it for the show notes.
1: You know, something I have learned over our 200 episodes of What Should I Read Next is that our readers and listeners love to know how the books they love get made they love a good behind the scenes sneak peek and that's one of the reasons it was so fun to talk to adam is he could tell you about how audiobooks which are continuing to boom more and more listeners are listening to them now than we're listening to them back when i recorded for the first time with adam in july 2016 and just to hear how audiobooks work from the production end was really fascinating I still think he'd love Susan Ho Watch. I'm just going to keep saying it. I know
2: Leslie's friends are listening. My fingers are crossed that he reads it. I want to hear about that because that book sounds like something I would enjoy. So I want to hear more people talk about it so I can decide. (laughs) The next conversation was one I had with Ashley and Brent from episode 155, which recorded in October 2018. And they were just so much fun. I love Ashley and Brent. So let's roll that tape. My burning question is, Brent, have you gotten your own Audible account yet?
4: No, of course not. (laughs) This one's working fine.
2: (laughs) So the titles Anne recommended for you during your episode were Unsheltered by Barbara Kingsolver, Before the Fallout by Diana Preston, The Ghost Map, by Steven Johnson, and the Mercury 13 by Martha Ackman. you got
4: four titles,
2: bonus thrown in there. What worked, what didn't? What were your thoughts?
4: I am halfway through Mercury 13. I then put it down and picked up Ghost Map after Ashley had read that one. Then I stopped and put that one down. (laughs) <laughs> and then read another one she handed me called dark matter and got completely through it
2: <laughs> well that's impressive because like non-fiction is your wheelhouse but the one you ended up finishing was fiction
4: correct
2: did you get bored with the mercury 13 the ghost map or were they just the wrong time or
4: i was getting a little bored with it and after ashley was describing ghost map to me i said well okay i'll i'll stop because i you know kind of know the story behind Mercury 13 you know and started get, reading Ghost Map and then got involved with other stuff going on at home and like i said put it down and mm-hmm. and she brought over Dark Matter and that was one that it was hard to put down and got through it quickly i think he, actually you were impressed i got through it that quick
5: i was it was like a, it was like less than a week which is a record for you and you you tend to book hop anyway did
2: either of you try Unsheltered
5: I read Unsheltered. I loved it and then I hated it and then I couldn't decide. Interesting. Yeah. And so I read it pretty quickly after the episode. I think, like, I mean, I grabbed it and it was the first one that I picked up out of the list. And it's one of those books that it was really interesting. It had a lot going on. It'd be great for a book club to discuss because there's just so many things that. I'm not quite sure how I feel Like some of the characters mm-hmm. I was like I don't know if I like them or not don't like them or some of the decisions that they made I I could relate to their decision making process but then I wouldn't have made the same decision that they made
2: do you think you'll try it Brent or
4: if you just ruled it out no I think I'll try it
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think mom said she wanted to read it too because I gave it I gave it to mom I don't know if she's cracked mom doesn't usually read fiction but
4: no she has not read that one no
5: but she said she wanted to at one point so maybe maybe at Christmas we'll have a family book discussion
2: (laughs) so wait Ashley neither of your parents reads fiction much not really no that's so interesting where did you come from
5: (laughs) I am a rebel without a cause (laughs) I am revolting against my childhood and my upbringing
2: (laughs) Did you look at the comments at all on your episode and did you pick up any more book recommendations from them? Because I know lots of people drop additional titles.
5: I read every comment and added every book to a list in my Goodreads and lots of stuff I was already familiar with, lots of brand new stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I can't remember if I shared that list with you, dad, but we we basically have like a hundred more recommendations. Wow. (laughs) Cue the overwhelm.
4: (laughs) In need for retirement.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's so fun to hear them again. And now I'm ready to check in and
2: see what the whole family decided to do next about Barbara Kingsolver. I know. It really killed me to cut that clip down. We had, I think, like a 20-minute conversation. And it was just a great time. They're really funny like every reader I talked to it was such a joy to talk to them
1: but not like every reader I've talked to I got to meet Ashley when I was on book tour which was so fun and actually she makes a cameo in my next book that comes out in March don't overthink it Mm -hmm. because I just had to consult her about a little project I knew she was working on that I thought would be appropriate so I'm
2: just basically making excuses to keep talking to Ashley and Brent Our next clip is my conversation with Tracy Thomas from episode 162, and that was December last year. And Tracy had a different reaction to your recommendations from her than any of the other past guests. I'm scared. Should I be scared? (laughs) No. Let's listen in. (laughs) I already know from emailing with you that this is going to be a little different than our other catch-ups because you haven't read any of the recommendations. Okay. I'm such a bad student. Please don't hate me. You're not in trouble, but what happened?
6: <laughs> I just read so much for my show. And since being on What Should I Read Next? It's just like been great. Like The show's grown a lot because when I was on, it was in December and we'd started in April. And since then... Like the last seven, eight months, it's just been crazy and like the best way. Like I've been able to interview all mm-hmm. these authors, but what happens for me is if I know that I have someone who's going to be coming to my house to do the show, I feel like I should read their book, and so I have every intention of reading Anne's recommendations. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm sabotaged by your own success. Yeah, it's a great problem to have, but it means that I read less things that I
2: really want
6: to be reading for fun and I'm reading more my assigned reading.
2: So with that influx of people listening to the show, and I assume like following on social media, have you found um, any Instagrammers that share your taste? Because I remember you talking about how
6: yes, you have. Oh my God. So many. After the episode came out, I got so many messages like on social media. I read like a dad too. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I should probably like reclaim the way that I read as just like, I read like a woman who likes nonfiction, but I kind of <laughs> (laughs) like also saying that I'm a dad reader. I think it's funny. People know what it means. People totally know what it means. And I've also had a lot of people reach out and be like, you do read like my dad. What should I get him for Father's Day? (laughs) Which I think is like kind of fun. Even on the comments of like the post for the episode, people were saying, oh my God, I'm so excited you had Tracy on because I didn't know other people read like me. And
2: like, I'm not alone. That's your next show idea is just a recommendation podcast for people to buy gifts for their dads. (laughs) Trade market. When Anne was recommending books to you, she did focus on nonfiction because we know that's like your wheelhouse. Have you had any luck with fiction? I read Miracle Creek by Angie Kim.
6: It's like a courtroom drama meets literary fiction and it's really good. It's like a murder trial. So there's like something going on and you're trying to figure out like who did it, but it's not like total thriller. Like what's going to happen next? It's like kind of a mix. So I really like that. Maybe we'll get to hear from you in the future. If you ever actually do read the recommendations, no pressure, totally. no pressure. I have the Vincent Bugliosi. I can see it from where I'm sitting right now. My husband and I have been together for, for nine years. This fall, we got the book within the first eight months of knowing each other. Like I've had this book for so long. It's traveled with me from New York City two apartments in new york city, an apartment in la and now our house now. Like i i have the book and i've kept it because i want to read it.
2: <laughs> well, you definitely have time before episode 300 to read it before your like 10th relationship anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> that was so
1: fun to hear her voice again. On what should i read next? Not just on her The Stacks pod. I do like how Tracy highlighted a truth that I have come to understand really is a truth of the reading life. And that is when it comes to a question of taste or a strange reading quirk or an unpopular opinion, whatever it is, it is never just you. And I love how so many people discovered that by hearing Tracy. And oh
2: my gosh, I love your idea of a book recommendation podcast. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things to look for in the comments after each episode releases is like, what was the most uh, quote unquote unpopular opinion that was mentioned in this show? I want to go see everybody who is agreeing because it happens
1: every time. Yes. And I'm looking at the books I recommended to her again. And I think Tracy would love them. And I want her to read them right now. And also I can see that one of her favorites was The Warmth of Other Sons, which I talked to Tracy and I thought, I've been meaning to read this for years. I need to read it immediately. I have still not read that. So Tracy, I feel your pain. Poor event.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I'm making a note right now. I'm gonna get it from the library. I'm gonna check it out. And maybe this time I'll actually read it. I mean, I told Tracy this. I've done that a couple times. It's a big, hefty book, and I want to give it the attention and the time I think it deserves. And that kind of attitude doesn't necessarily
2: make reading the books actually happen. If any listeners are big nonfiction readers like Tracy, I did talk to her kind of at length about a couple other books that she's been reading. I asked her for some nonfiction recommendations, and those will be available on the Patreon feed as well. So our next clip is from your conversation, Anne, with Natalie from episode 173. Oh, it was so fun to talk to her again. Here goes.
0: Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and, of course, stock ideas. Plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
7: Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you, and we have been there, too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. will talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms.
8: I did read a few of the books that you suggested. They were great. They were challenging a little bit. Then, I just got caught up in someone's summer reading. Maybe your name is Modern Mrs. Darcy. And I've been reading, (laughs) I've just been going to town on all of those books. And so I feel like you're bringing me back to my goal for this year of reading longer books and books that have been on my bookshelf for a while. So I'm going to give myself a little break and, you know, enjoy the summer reading, Right.
1: Cause I just ruined it all with the summer reading guide. Cause those are new and I don't think any of them are the length that you said you wanted to read in February when you came on the show. And I'm, I'm glad it's providing a little seasonal balance for you.
8: This was a good reminder that I love goals. So I need to kind of refocus. So I read a prayer for Owen Meany first. So many of my friends that I really respect, they love this book. I did not love it. I struggled with it. Sometimes I struggle if a book or something is given super high expectations. Mm -hmm. It just kind of slogged along a little bit for me. And I think I got annoyed with Owen Meany. (laughs) I couldn't find him an endearing character.
1: Don't you wish that we could double blind these books? Because I frequently Ugh. think, like, what would I think about that book if I would read it on audio the first time before I knew the story? And what would I think about that book if I read it in a different format? And what would my 30-year-old self think about this book if she hadn't read it when she was 17? Ugh, I, if somebody can come up with that system, I would totally be on board. Because I'm wondering, what would you have thought if you didn't have really high expectations when you went in?
8: I do compare it, though. I've read beach music in my 20s, -hmm. in my 30s, now in my 40s, and I still love that book. I also recognize, though, there's other books by John Irving that I want to look into, I want to explore. So it's not like I'm anti him as an author or two of the bookies I really respect and they read a ton. I think they were a little appalled that I didn't like the book. Uh, But that's what reading
1: is all about. I don't think that high expectations are going to destroy a pinnacle reading experience. If something is going to be one of the best books you ever read, you're still going to think it's amazing, even if people have told you, hey... This is pretty great. I think it can turn an okay reading experience into a disappointing one because expectations do matter a lot. But I'm so glad you read this because you told me I'm wanting to read this. I've been feeling like I should read this. And Natalie, you read it, and now you know. And it's not taunting you from your bookshelf, and you can move on. Yeah. So high fives on completing that very long book. <laughs> and I hope some good conversations have come from your reaction, even though, or actually, probably because it surprised your bookies.
8: I totally agree and I have another friend who is not avid reader at all. She loves this book and so she and I have been trying to find a time we can sit down and talk about it. So it's just interesting. You know, that's that's the mm-hmm. great opportunity of opening a book you never know. You never
1: know. Sometimes I wish we did, but most of the time I love that about the reading
2: life. I love that point that you talked about with Natalie about mood reading and reading books at the wrong or the right time. That's such a big thing in my reading life. I know there's so many books that I like one moment, but if I were to read it six months later, I don't think I would have enjoyed it.
1: Oh, that's definitely happened to me. Or I've started reading a book in a certain location and thought, oh, this could be perfect for me, but not here and not now. Mm -hmm. whether that's for content or just the place my brain is in or how much focus I feel like I have at the moment. Natalie said something else that I find really interesting and that I've heard from a lot of listeners. And that's how people just didn't understand reaction to a Mm -hmm. certain book. So my working theory is that people who read a ton of books completely understand how readers can have very different reactions Mm -hmm. to the same book. But readers who don't read quite as much, I think have a very difficult time grasping how someone they love might not love the same book. They love, which leads to conversations like, "You're one of my best friends. How can you not love one of my favorite books?" And I just find that dynamic really interesting. And I, I, my ears definitely pricked up when Natalie started talking about it. And of course, when it comes to the reading life, it's never just you, Natalie. You are not the only one
2: who's had conversations like that. So do you think it's a situation where like the stakes are higher because you're putting your eggs in fewer book baskets? (laughs) So that basket is very precious? Yes, I do think it has to do with the allocation of the bookish eggs. (laughs) What a title, (laughs) the allocation of the bookish eggs.
1: (laughs) I do think that's interesting. And you know, it gets to one of the reasons that I love what we do here on What Should I Read Next? We have a... Huge number of titles that have been guest loves and guests not at all loved books. And you know what I think is really interesting that has happened a lot over the years is we'll have a guest come on and share three books they love, one book they don't, and what they're reading now. And we get emails and messages every week that say, oh, that book that wasn't for that reader, it's totally for me. I'm reading that next. My hope through What Should I Read Next is that we can help put more of the right books into the hands of the right readers.
2: It seems to me that what it comes down to in the end is the experience with the book. It's not like got to catch them all necessarily. You're having an experience. I had a conversation with Ashley Gossens from episode 163, who was on the show in December of last year. She had the Alpine Trails Book Club, where they go out and have experiences based on things that happen to characters or what was written about in nonfiction in the books they read together. And I got some updates from her about some of the adventures
9: they've gone on since the show aired. Oh, well, I can't wait to hear. The first one I read was Harry's Trees. I was kind of worried about this one, I'm going to be honest, because it started out, the first couple of chapters were reminding me a lot of a man called Ove, which is my hated book. But then there's a, a little girl and a mom who come into the story. And I think those female characters really made me fall in love with this book. And along with the fact that it's set in Pennsylvania, which is my home state. Oh, so funny story. When the episode aired, my sister actually texted me and she was like, hey, I heard you on this podcast. And I was like, huh, how did you know about that? And I didn't know that she actually listens to the podcast, which was really funny. And she really wanted to read Harry's Trees. After I read it, I, I sent it to her and she read it and she just loved it. It was really fun to share that book with her. And the other ones I have not finished yet. I have to admit, but <laughs> I did start reading The Overstory. I got through like the first two chapters and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an amazing book. And I need to set aside like a couple of days to just lay in bed and read this book because... It's just one of those that really sucks you in and the the language is beautiful. And I just really want to like soak this one in and really spend some time with it. So I'm normally the kind of person who reads like 10 books at a time. So it's hard for me (laughs) to kind of take the time to just focus on one book. And I feel like Mm -hmm. this one really warrants that extra time and care. I think I just need to like take a sick day or something and just let myself read it. Did you pick up any books that someone recommended in the comment section? That was like my favorite part about this was that I wasn't expecting to get so many awesome recommendations from listeners, but there was one that got mentioned a lot and it was called The Wild Trees. I admit I haven't gotten to it yet, but it's definitely higher on my list now. How about um, your Alpine Trails book club? I know everybody was just so enamored. Have you gotten any new members since uh, the show aired? What books have you been reading? Did get some more people joining our, our Facebook group for the book club. And, and it's really nice to hear from people who, you know, they can't come to our in-person meetings, but some people read along with us and it's really fun to hear from them. We actually just had our July meeting last weekend and we went to Cascade Pass, which is just this gorgeous hike in the North Cascades. It's an old Native American trail that's been around for like thousands of years. And the book that we read was On Trails by Robert Moore. And it's really kind of a philosophical book about, you know, why trails exist and how they come to be. And he talks a lot about Native American trails and and how a lot of them are actually, you know, roads now because they're just really good (laughs) routes. So that was really fun. We also read The Nature Fix, Uh, which talks a lot about the health benefits that you get from being in nature. We actually went backpacking for that one. And, you know, I encouraged everybody to use all of their senses while we hiked and, and make sure they stop and look at things and smell things and taste things and really just feel what's going on while we're hiking. And we spent some time like meditating and really just taking advantage of all those great things nature gives to you.
1: That was so fun to hear Ashley again. I feel a little bit like we should be commiserating because she's doing the same thing to the overstory that I'm doing to the warmth of other suns, which is waiting for a good time to read it. Taking a sick day to read a book. I mean, that is a serious readerly commitment. Also, I hope she does read The Wild Trees. That is a book that I just love. You know, I actually thought about recommending it to Tara Anderson when I recorded my episode with her, but one of the reasons I didn't was I recommended it to Tim Gardner way back in episode number 26. It's such a fascinating book. And I just love that she and her sister bonded over books and reading and Harry's Trees. That is so fun.
2: Speaking of people in our guests' lives listening to the show without their knowledge, the next couple conversations we're going to roll, one after the other, are Femi and Erica from episode 169, uh, which ran earlier this year in January. Erica had an experience with a coworker that made me, honestly, very anxious, but (laughs) it's a great story. (laughs) What's going to happen? Well, you're, you're going to have to wait to find out. Let's roll.
10: We have a totally democratic process. And that was really fun to be able to share that process through the What Should I Read next episode. And our members loved it. And we selected A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mursa. Definitely felt like a really different and special book club meeting. Erica did like an informal poll. So far, that's still been like everyone's like top book that they've read since our one and a half year of book club existence. So
2: that's amazing. (laughs) What do you think resonated with everybody during the voting process before they'd read the book? What do you think made it such a winner?
10: You know, that's a great question. Not only is the voting process like democratic, it's like completely open to anyone who follows us. Like you don't really have to be a member. And so friends and family can vote. People who are choosing to read along can vote. When you hear about the goals of our book club and what our membership makeup is like and what we've been reading lately, it just made sense for us to read a book about like a uniquely American but immigrant American family
11: Mm -hmm.
10: and a book that really dissects like the behind the scenes and the intimate kind of internal processes each character has or that you the reader gets to kind of experience when you're reading through the book. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe Anne did such a great job kind of breaking down that book and it just felt timely and the cover is beautiful.
2: It is. What was your book club's response to the episode?
10: They were like, oh, of course you two would get together and nerd out and and also find a, a, a book podcast to kind of talk about all these. Because there are a lot of our members, that was like their first time hearing about the What Should I Read Next podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we also made the promise. We had like pre-selected two different books to read and we told everyone that this is going to be special. We have to do like a unique poll to see what we're going to read next based on this episode. And mm. yeah, the response from our book club was, was really sweet.
2: Did you get any new members? I was wondering about that.
10: Yeah, we did. We did. We got a lot of new members. I mean, a lot of folks follow us online, which I think it's great to kind of have introvert bookworms who maybe live like really close by or in LA or maybe not. And they just Mm -hmm. kind of want to read along or get book recommendations and participate that way. And, and I think that's totally cool and and sweet as well. But we also got a lot of new in person, you know, IRL members coming to our Mm -hmm. meetings. And that was, that's been really fun. And it's a sweet, like kind of organic process. And it's been really nice.
2: So speaking of responses to the episode, Mm -hmm. how about your husband Ryan's response? Because he (laughs) nominated you without your knowledge. Yes, I know. I know. You know what? After
10: that, I mean, first of all, that just makes me think of like, my mother-in-law was just so proud of him. (laughs) She was just like, I, I think like everyone got like, their hearts were fluttering and most of our close friends are like, you know, they, that kind of made sense. But I think mm-hmm. our like wider kind of and our family members were like, they just thought it was the sweetest thing ever and they loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was just really funny. And he he's so supportive. I mean, he shared it out to his folks that he worked with and kind of like community art stuff that he's involved with. And folks were just like, wow, I didn't know that Ryan had this romantic side to him. And Somebody else was just like, Oh, this is better than watching like a K drama, you know, like a (laughs) Korean drama. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I just felt like I was swooning over you guys.
2: So we know that you read a place for us and it was a big hit. Mm -hmm. Did you read any of her other picks on your own?
10: I did. I did. I went out and bought like every single book she recommended (laughs) because I just wanted to be prepped. I mean, I have all the other books totally on my TBR pile waiting, but the only other book I read from that list was Strange Weather in Tokyo it was like atmospheric and which was I was totally in the mood for that at the time and I really like it it was definitely quirky and slow moving I think at first I had some reservations because of the age difference between yes. the characters and mm-hmm. so I was like okay I'm feeling really challenged but I really like the writing and I like the mood that it set, kind of like these sweet moments that the characters shared together and it made the relationship feel more sacred and and I ultimately I really do like the book and it's it's really sweet
2: Erica, your episode with Femi was one of my favorites Aww. to work on in my history with the show. I thought it was so fascinating to hear about the Sister Insider Book Club and your democratic system mm-hmm. of choosing books, especially the fact that people can vote whether or not they're part of the club. And I didn't ask Femi this, but I'm curious why you set it up that way, why why the voting is structured that way.
11: Femi and I have both worked in coalition spaces for years. Mm-hmm. And I'll speak for myself. I really feel that for people to feel you know, ownership over a space or a set of um, principles and ways that we're going to work together, it really needs to be a democratic structure. And so we were very mm-hmm. uh, committed to making the way in which we chose books be democratic. And we thought that it would be awesome to open it up to sister insiders who aren't able to join us in person because there was such a warm response to the launch of the book club. So we thought this would be a way to extend that engagement to folks who can't be in person with us. And then we also, you know, always loving to see folks who are reading along with us that can't be in person with us and are sharing their discussion questions that we can bring to our, our debriefs and their reflections that we like to pull out, maybe print out on some paper for people debriefing with us in person to to reflect on. So really trying to have as open and, and broad a uh, community as possible.
2: So we know from Femi and also from your gorgeous Instagram that your club Voted on a place for us. And according to Femi, it was knockout by far the winner, like not even close. The
11: themes that Fatima Farhim Mirza deals with really, in a nuanced way, you know, explore questions of identity and belonging. Faith, and then even more universal themes beyond a second gen, first gen immigrant experience. Mm -hmm. You know, what forgiveness uh, looks like between parents and kids, and, you know, differences in cultural expectations. From the parents' perspective and from kids' perspectives, so I feel like it, it just hit on a lot of the common themes that we tend to pursue in our our reading lives. It was also a beautiful
2: cover. I think that played a big role. <laughs> Family and friends, how did they respond to the episode? Did you like have people listen to it? Or I was super nervous after the
11: the podcast aired and was avoiding listening to it because I was just so so anxious about it. And a really funny thing happened while I was at work after it aired, where I was in a meeting with one of my colleagues, kind of in an open office setting. And I just started hearing mine and Femi's voices. I couldn't tell if I was imagining it. I knew it wasn't coming from me. Because like I said, I hadn't listened to it because I was just too nervous. So I didn't, I knew I didn't have it up on my phone or computer. And after this went on for about 30 seconds, I just had to ask my coworker, do you hear that? This is so strange. (laughs) And then it dawned on him that our interview was playing on his phone in his pocket and he didn't realize it. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kind of mortified cuz I didn't know he even knew about it. <laughs> and then I was I became really self-conscious. I thought, "Okay, well, if if it's having that wide of a reach, I really need to just know what's out there." <laughs> and so I gave it a listen, mm-hmm. and I was pleasantly surprised. I remember uh, texting Femi later that day and saying, "Oh my gosh, that was that was really fun, and I'm glad I finally listened to it." So, really grateful to the team for making us making me in particular seem coherent. <laughs>
1: Well, it was so fun to hear their voices. They did the sweetest thing. They sent me Honorary Sister Insider Book Club paraphernalia like a t-shirt so now I can put it on and feel all official when I'm running. Yes, they sent me a tote as well and I use it a lot. Oh, that's so sweet. I completely forgot the origin story of that episode. I think Femi's husband wrote in and it was going to be a birthday surprise, wasn't it?
2: Yes, and it was. He gave her a printout of the email that I sent him saying, we do want to have her on the show. And then she had a mild nervous breakdown because she was anxious about coming on. (laughs) And she said, she emailed me and she was like, Hey, I'm nervous. Can I bring my friend Erica on? And that's how the show came about. And the end result was so
1: fun. You know, Brenna, I imagine you have similar conversations with our guests because you often talk to them before I do. And that goes, Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. This is so strange. So many people are going to be listening. People do get really anxious about it. What do you tell them? I know what I tell them.
2: I tell them that I understand because I've had the same experience. I was once on a podcast. I felt like I blacked out while I was on it. And then I never listened to it again because I was so anxious. (laughs) So I tell them that I understand. And I take really seriously the editing process because I want everyone to feel so good about the end result. I don't want anyone to feel like they came on and they they didn't sound great. But I also tell them that if there's anything they regret during the recording process, like if they say something they wish they hadn't or maybe if they accidentally triangulate their location so somebody could find them, um, to just email me. I'll make sure it doesn't make the final cut and they'll feel really comfortable with the final result. And also I tell them that everybody hates the sound of their own voice. You know, nobody else is judging you as hard as you're judging yourself.
1: Yes, that is completely true. And knowing that you've had those reassuring conversations with them about the details and how they're in good editing hands and we will make you sound good.
2: And what I cut from every single episode is you reassuring them that you will need more editing than them. <laughs> I do. I need I mean, don't I? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but only only because I know you want to get wording like just right. That's just like your personality. And y'all, it's so hard to talk about books on the fly. It is. Especially books that you
1: really love. Yes. Yes. As soon as you want to do something justice, I mean, it's all over. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a hot mess. Well, knowing that you have had those conversations with our guests, what I often tell them is it's just you and me. Nobody's listening in right now. We're going to talk about something that you love, that you're totally expert about, that you enjoy digging into, and we're going to do it together and it's going to be great. And sometimes people and stop, they'll stop and tell me they're like, Oh, Hey,
2: it's been 10 minutes.
1: Yeah. I forgot. I was nervous. This is fine.
2: Yeah, and they're talking about something they're already an expert on, which is themselves. Exactly. I am so glad that Femi and Erica loved A
1: Place for Us because- I did too. And it's not essential for a guest and I to have the same reading taste. Mm -hmm. The fun thing about the reading life is that opinions differ, but I
2: did suspect it would be an excellent pick for them. And I'm just so happy that it really landed. Yes. And I'm so glad to hear that some, what should I read next listeners seem to have gravitated towards that book club, like locally to them and have now joined or participated. That's amazing to me. I'd really like to make it down to California and visit. Oh, can I come? Yeah, let's just do a live show down there. Oh, that'd be great.
1: (laughs) We've started some discussions. That's all we can say. And I think that's enough to say about that right now.
8: (laughs)
2: Secrets. Okay, our last clip, Chelsea and Curtis from episode 164. I put their clip at the end because it really touched me when I listened to your conversation with them. They're a couple who wanted to read together and they have very different tastes. And it was a clear example of them taking what you were able to see in their reading life and applying it in such a way that it really changed their reading life together and empowered them to go choose books for themselves and do that book matchmaking for each other. And it was just, it was just so wonderful to listen to. I had the conversation with Chelsea and Curtis, but now I'm excited to
1: listen
0: to it again too. <laughs> Let's do it.
12: We have always been readers together in the sense that we've sat on the couch reading next to each other.
0: But not always reading the same books and having similar interests. So yes. that's been a recent change for us is trying to read the same things.
1: And we were trying to give you books that would help foster this burgeoning habit.
0: Well, we read Song of Achilles that first month after we were on What Should I Read Next? And I think it's been our favorite that we've read together. Checked a ton of boxes for us. It had the historical and mythical things that I liked about Gates of Fire and some of the old Odyssey and Iliad stuff. And then it had this other component of, you know, coming of age and a love story that Chelsea liked.
12: We loved that one. I'm so glad.
1: What about the other two? Have you read those? Are you still thinking about it?
12: Not yet. I think it was that thing of we loved the Song of Achilles so much. You just want to savor that high. <laughs> we are reading Montana 1948 we're going to start it today. I don't know. <laughs>
0: it's, our bu- it's our buddy read for next month.
12: Oh, wow. I think that one, we kind of said, oh, it's a good summer setting. We're going to save that for summer. But part of it was after chatting with you and sort of seeing some of the other areas where our reading tastes intersect, other than just like, oh, we both like mystery. We both like some YA. Mm-hmm. Our TBR list has grown because we figured out what we actually both like. That is amazing.
1: Did you anticipate that
12: happening?
0: I think it was a different thing than we were expecting. I was focusing on, like, we're going to find some thrillers that we like, because those are the genres that we have a lot of overlap. But I think being on your show and getting these recommendations, I've read more literary books mm-hmm. than I normally would go for. It's been a lot of those coming of ages and love stories like Song of Achilles that I feel like is a new avenue for both of us.
1: Interesting. What happened After the episode aired, how did your friends and family respond? Well, my
12: mom was pretty giddy. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. Hi, Chelsea's mom. I think the fun part was having people come over and listen to our podcast and say, hey, we heard you on What Should I Read Next? And it's really fun to listen to more of your book talk. And that's been really special and fun. Oh, when we were in Tulsa, you all had a big
1: moment. You had a first happen at Magic City Books. <laughs>
0: I'm glad that you brought this up. because. <laughs> So the backstory was we were going to your book event in Tulsa at Magic City for Independent Bookstore Day and Chelsea was trying to get me mentally prepared. She's like, you know, our faces are on the Internet and there might be some crossover with what should I read next that people that are going to be at this bookstore and people that listen to our episode and they might recognize us. And I was all like, no, there's no way that's going to happen. Like and then all of a sudden we get there and there's multiple people like lock eyes locked in just staring at us. And I'm like, I got like the back of my neck tingling and just (laughs) like. Like, what are you looking at me for? Who are you? And then the people were walking over and like, just want to say we like your show. We listened to, <laughs> we found your podcast from What Should I Read Next. We don't want to bother you, but we're and we actually had like a couple of conversations with people. So I was very uncomfortable, but
12: they was, were so sweet and it was really fun to meet people in person. All right, so your new celebrity life, basically, post What Should I Read Next, that's <laughs> oh, oh I'm here. <laughs> I I wouldn't go that far.
0: No, the the more fun part is actually like the community of people that have been on your show, uh, because we met other people at Tulsa that had been guests on What Should I Read Next? And it's a fun little community.
1: Now, didn't you all leave Tulsa with a book that you said would be a buddy read?
0: The River by Peter Heller. And we've done an episode on that.
1: Which I sold to everyone in Magic City Books.
0: (laughs) I think
12: we grabbed the last copy. (laughs)
0: But that was excellent. I really liked the pace and the way that Peter Heller does his dialogue style. And I loved all the lists of all the survival equipment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My brain probably moved rapidly over those descriptions. <laughs> You're probably assessing them for quality. And that's I'm, what like, I was doing. Oh, that's interesting. Let's get back to the character's feelings.
12: It's like a snowball effect because we read the Song of Achilles. Then we started picking up a little bit more literary fiction. Once you figure out a couple of threads you can enjoy together. It's easier to branch out from there and experiment a little bit. It's been so fun.
1: Yes, that's so true. And I'm so happy that that's where you feel you are.
0: It's a good place to be.
1: Uh oh, that was so fun to talk
2: to them again and hear about their new glamorous life. And I'm so excited that people, you know, flocked over to their podcast. And I, I love people getting to connect to other listeners. I want to see all of those guests we've had from Kansas City get together. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We have had a lot of guests from Kansas City. I loved hearing from Chelsea and Curtis that they walked away from the show with information they could put to
2: use in their reading life. That is fantastic. It sounds like they took it like so seriously. Like, Like they approached it like homework and it's working out so well. And I have enjoyed following
1: their Instagram and podcast episodes where they're sharing what they thought about the further books
2: they've read like Montana 1948. I know they've read it since we talked. So if anyone wants to re-listen to the episodes these guests were on, you can find all that information in the show notes. I'm going to link all of it. I have to say, I am really proud to work on this show. I would be, even if there weren't all these themes of like connection. it, It makes me happy to be part of something that brings people joy. We get emails regularly about people who, you know, they listen to the show on their commute or you know, it gets them through folding laundry and doing chores, or it just makes them feel connected to a readerly world that they don't have uh, anybody around them in their everyday life that they can talk to about those things. And I'm I'm really proud to be part of it. I'm glad you started this show, Anne. Oh, thank you. I am
1: too. And I think you are one of the reasons it's actually worth listening to. So thank you (laughs) for your compassionate and gentle whip smart handling of all these pieces of audio. And all the wonderful guests that we have week after week. Readers, you know that we want to talk to all of mm-hmm. you. Unfortunately, this is a weekly show, not like a minute by minute readerly playbook. <laughs> but yeah, what should I read next? Podcast.com slash guest is the place to go if you would like to sit in the hot seat. Maybe one day you can be reminiscing with Brenna about your episode and what you did or did not read next. I would love to have a test call with you. Just got to apply. <laughs> Brenna, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back on and taking the stroll down memory lane with me. Was that too cheesy? We're not opposed to that occasionally. And what should I read next?
2: It's the 200th episode. We can be as cheesy as we want. (laughs) Sappy sap fest right here. We
1: won't do it again for another 100 or maybe on our four-year anniversary because that's that's not too far
2: away. Oh, no. That's coming up, isn't it? Wow. All right. Well, also thank you to all our listeners for your support and your dedication over the past three and a half years, 200 episodes couldn't do it without you. You're the heart of the show. We
1: would never want to do this without you because book people are the best people. And seriously, when I chose that Rilke quote on a whim to close out the first episode, how good it is to be among people who are reading. I thought that we could feature like a different bookish quote every episode. We just keep mixing it up. We could make up our own. There's plenty to choose from. But I decided to stick with the Rilke And I think that was a little bit prophetic because I don't think I understood at the time just how good it was and would continue to be among you all 200 episodes strong now. How good it is to be among people who are reading. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. And I can't wait to see what we all choose to read next in our next 100 or 200 episodes. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed this look back on the past 200 episodes of What Should I Read Next? Here's to 200 more. You can find the full list of titles and episodes we talked about today at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 200. That's two zero zero. And if you love hearing from these past guests today, we're releasing the full conversations Brenna and I had with each guest in our Patreon bonus feed. Patreon supporters get behind-the-scenes looks into What Should I Read Next and One Great Book, bonus content like these interviews, author conversations, and our One Great Bonus episodes. Plus, they get to chat more with Brenna and all of the wonderful readers in our community. Become a supporter today at patreon.com slash whatshouldireadnext. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash whatshouldireadnext. And you can load your bonus feed into your podcast player to hear all these interviews easy peasy. That's Patreon.com/slash WhatShouldIReadNext. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Anne with an E, B is in books, O G E L. Tag us on Instagram to share your What Should I Read Next doppelganger using the hashtag #BookTwin. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Our newsletter subscribers are the first to know all our news and happenings. If you're not on the list, go to podcast.com slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly delivery. If you enjoy this podcast and want to support it, please share it with a friend. It's been so good meeting so many readers online and in person, as you heard in this episode. This really is a wonderful bookish community. So please invite your readerly friends to join us here. They can jump in anywhere at any episode that catches their readerly fancy. Thanks to the people who make this show happen. What Should I Read Next? is produced by Brenna Frederick, with sound design by Kellen Bekaczek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.